Sometimes our horizon can be black as it can be with thunderclouds because of the challenges. At other times we may look at what is before us and wonder whether it is an opportunity or a challenge. And then at other times life unfolds before us as sunlit uplands full of opportunities. And that is true for us personally. It is also true for us corporately as a congregation. You heard, for example, Peter's announcement just now. And challenges and opportunities have been there throughout history, where God leads history to his purposed end. And the Old Testament is full of these kinds of stories. They are there about Moses, about Joshua, about David, and about many others. But I've been told that the sermon should not be too long, so today our focus is on Caleb. Now, it would be wrong to call Caleb a minor figure, but his profile is not so high and the stories are rather brief. What we read is basically all there is. It's repeated again in Judges chapter 1, and the story about Kadesh Barnea is given more extensively in Numbers 14. And we may well wonder what exactly is the point of that story? Why do we know, do we need to know these things about Caleb's life? And of course it's very prominent that Caleb was still very active at 85. And if that was the point, then maybe this sermon should be held in the Highlands with an elderly congregation to cheer them up and cheer them on. But here, the average age is maybe, well, below 35. So maybe that is not the point. In order to get the point, we need, as always in the Bible, to look at the context. And the context we read in that summary in Deuteronomy 1 and the book of Deuteronomy is sort of Moses' final lesson. They are already then at the threshold of the promised land. And he recites the story that is given us in more detail in Numbers 14. The people of Israel had come already 40, 40 years before Deuteronomy 1 to the border of the promised land. And they had explored that country. And Joshua and Caleb were part of that team. But as we heard after their journey into that land, they didn't dare to go in. They lacked courage. They wanted, they say, to go back to the flesh pots of Egypt and also to the slavery there, away from the promised land and away from God. And the Lord was very angry with them. He wanted to destroy them. But Moses then tells him, think about your own name. And the only exception there, as mentioned, were Joshua and Caleb. You can read it in Numbers 14, the verses 24 and 30, where it says, 
But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. And Israel indeed, as God's people, is spared. But the individuals who participated in that rebellion are punished. And they are going back into the desert for 40 years. You can also read that in Numbers 14. It's actually remind, er, there is a reminder in Psalm 95 in the second half of that psalm for the people of Israel later. And in a way, Hebron and the Anakim that had been such a nice promise had become the stumbling block. And against that background, I would like to summarize for you tonight the message of God's word in these two stories about Caleb as follows. Trust the promise, act in faith, and be at peace. What the story of Caleb tells you is trust the promise, act in faith, be at peace. Now, first, then, the promise. Of course, in our context, it looms rather large that that promise was also not trusted by Israel. After all Israel had seen, you can read it throughout the Pentateuch in the book of Exodus and so on, the miracles in Egypt, the defeat of the Pharaoh, the exodus, of what, in essence, was a dispirited group of slaves, led through the Red Sea, and then through that vast and terrible desert, as it's called in Deuteronomy. And then there was the manna. And then there was the teaching and the preaching by Moses, years on end, because the people of Israel, after 400 years in slavery, had become estranged of the Lord. After all they had seen... There was also the covenant at Sinai, where the Lord himself told his people, you are my people and I will be your God. And they had been allowed to build the tabernacle that was going before them in the day, the night. And all these things, as you can read in the book of Joshua, made the hearts of the people around them melt. So the people around them got the message They were very afraid. You can read it, for example, in the story of Rahab at Jericho. But after all that they had seen, what they said is, it's a nice idea, but can't be done. It's a nice idea, but can't be done. And a nice idea it was that they confirmed and acknowledged because they explored the land from the desert of Zin to Rehob, which means that they went through the whole country from north to south. And they came down with the fruit of the land. And the bunch of grapes were so big that they had to carry it on a pole between them. And they were confirming that it was a land flowing of milk and honey, as the Lord had promised. But they say... The people are powerful, and the cities are large, and the language becomes very colorful and articulate and undoubtedly true and precise. In their eyes we were as grasshoppers, and their walls reached to the sky. 
unsurmountable difficulties. But you see, there was no thankfulness for what they had received and seen so far, and no trusting going forward. And that is when they are being sent back into the desert. And there they went, grumble, 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 stumble, stumble, stumble. Because if you grumble, you will stumble. And it happened to them, and where they fell, there they lied, and there they were buried. But next to the promise, not trust it. There is also the promise, trust it, then and now. Because 45 years ago, Caleb had said, we can certainly do it. Caleb also confirms, like they did, that it was exactly as promised, a land flowing of milk and honey. But Caleb differs from them when he says, do not rebel. The difficulties are real. He doesn't deny them. But the Lord is with us. That is what you can read in Numbers 13 14. And I think we may recognize the picture because sometimes also we lack the courage. When we face challenges in our own life, whatever they may be, And we know that God promised to be with us, but we don't see it. But Caleb warns them here. He says, not trusting is not just a sin of omission. No, it is rebelling. It is a sin of commission. And as he trusted the promise then, he also promised, he also trusted the promise now. And we hear him say in the text we read, I will beat the giants. When that story happens, the conquest of the promised land is already in progress for about five or seven years, and it's still incomplete, and there was probably some going backwards and forwards because the cities have been conquered before and the Anakites have been driven out before, but they're back again, and that battle will go on for quite some more years. Forty-five years later, and he is 85. And, of course, many around him had fallen away, not because they were less healthy or strong or clever or capable, but because they were not trusting and believing. And it must have been for him, I guess, a lonely feeling, because the next generation is 20 years younger. And it had been a long and wearisome journey. But still, and the language in our text is very vigorous, Still I have strength for war and the grind of daily duties. The Lord kept me alive for a purpose. And as we can read in verses 10 and 12 in chapter 14, he is still trusting. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he has said this to Moses. And in 12, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. Give me that hill country with those Anakites, with those giants, with those terrifying people. And they undoubtedly were big terrifying. With these hurdles, with these walls to the sky, with these unsurmountable challenges. 
And there is a lot of energy and color in this story. It uses three times now. It's not sometime in the fuzzy, foggy future. And in the meantime, I'm 85 and will a little bit lie down. It is now, now, now. Give me exactly that opportunity or that challenge that was the very reason for our failure 45 years ago. So we heard then in the story of Caleb that we are to trust the promise. There is also another point, and that is that we are to act in faith. And, I might add, common sense. Because there are two towns here, Hebron and Debir. In answer to Caleb's plea, Joshua gives and blesses. It's very factual. He gives these cities to Caleb as if they were already in their position. But the giants were still there and the wolves were still there. But he does so because he also blesses Caleb. And the blessing here is not sort of, you know, I wish you all the best, good luck. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. No, it is the statement that he will go there in the strength of the Lord. And then I think it's also worthwhile noting that at the end of that first section, before any kind of action is described, it says he got Hebrew, he got Hebron because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. And it is, in fact, for a time in this section that that sentence has been used. He was completely faithful to the Lord. An opportunity or a challenge? Well, it does not really matter what we think it is, because what matters is faith. And only after we have learned that he does get Hebron because he was completely faithful, only then in the next section we learn as to how that was happening. And again, the text is rather brief and factual. It says um, in verse 14 in chapter 15, from Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Tali, descendants of Anak. The three names here are the three names also mentioned in number 14. Whether they were the same people or whether these were family names, we don't know. But it's clear that he is raising to the challenge that the Israelites had rebelled against. And we learn that he takes that city. So one down, one to go. And then there is, in a way, an interesting twist in the story. Because in verse 15 it says, From there he marched against the people living in Deber. And now he says, I will give my daughter Exa in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiryat Sefer. Now, was he lacking in faith in his own ability with the blessing of the Lord to do this? Well, the text, of course, is very brief. But apparently, 
he made an assessment as to what he could do with Hebron, and he made an assessment as to what the situation was around Deber. And he comes to the conclusion that he needs the assistance of a younger man. So the trusting is complete, but it is not mindless. He reviewed, he considered, and he worked with the means he had, in this case his nephew. Because you see, God and the circumstances do not form a false dilemma. The Bible is very clear about that. There is a story in the Bible about a king who is warned not to go to war before he has made an assessment as to whether his army is adequate. And the man is not supposed to build a tower before he is sure that he has enough money, otherwise he will make a fool of himself. So the suggestion is not to charge ahead without thinking as to whether something is doable or sustainable, but having looked to act in faith. So then we heard in the story of Caleb that we are to trust the promise and that we are to act in faith. That is then the last point, and that is, will we at peace? Very briefly, our text notes the success. Chapter 14, verse 13, already up front, is very certain. Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him the cities. And then we read in that second section that he drove them out, and we read that again in Judges 1. Othniel actually is one of the first judges. He drove them out both from Hebron and Debir. Debit Kiryat Sefer was actually the place where Sarah was buried. So there was success and blessing. And our text suggests that is forever. Because there is a lot of emphasis on the inheritance and the descendants. The first section ends with a statement that we will find repeated throughout the Old Testament quite often, the land at rest from war. Rest means that the people could live in the promised land with God in their midst before the face of God and in his presence. Rest does not necessarily mean an easy or a quiet time, but it means before the face of God. And there is also a clear focus on the inheritance. It is already there in the first section, where the narrator tells us that his descendants are there to this day, this very one. So he tells them, if you don't believe it, you can go and look because they are still there. Our text sits in the middle of a section that allots the land to the various tribes and families. And it is looking forward for the people living in their allotted inheritance to the time when the Messiah will come. And living there towards the future, I think, is also the point of that story of his daughter. Because in these last two verses in the section we read in chapter 15, we read about Aksa, verses 18 and 19. And you get the impression that she is equally energetic and determined as her father is. Because first, 
she chases up Otniel to ask her father for a piece of land, a field. And then she goes on to go to her father and ask for water. Because, of course, this was at the border of the Negev. A field without water is not a field that, you, that can sustain you going forward into the future. So what we see at the conclusion of the story is that after Caleb had trusted the promise and acted in faith, that the land had rest, his descendants were there for the future till the Messiah would come. So we have briefly reviewed in our text what happened. But as you know, the question what is not the only one because it needs to be followed by the question, so what, now what? What do we do with that story? Well, I think the first application is that we are to take stock, take heart, and take action. We saw Caleb taking stock. He was still here and he still had his strength, but also with the Lord and deeper not without the help of a younger man. But we also see that Caleb took heart because he trusted the promise. That is the sentence that is repeated through that narrative over and over again. He wholeheartedly followed the Lord. And he refers to the promise also several times, the promise. And that promise was not just extended to him, it was extended to the people of Israel in their entirety, and it is extended to us. Joshua 14, the Lord tells the people, Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. And that famous promise to Joshua, I will never leave you and never forsake you, is repeated again in the, book, in the letter to the Hebrews. So that promise is also there for us to take heart. And then we saw that he took action. Now, of course, today's actions are not taking cities. But the tasks we have ahead of us in our personal life and in our corporate life can be equally daunting. To keep reading our Bible, to keep repenting, to keep praying and trusting, no matter what the challenges are, and to keep witnessing. Because you are not too young and not too old. Caleb was 85. It's only too late when you are dead. And then in the second place, I think we need to travel on to that promised land because God leads the history of his redemption to his purposed end. We noted that Caleb was there in that promised land forever. And all these witnesses from that time still speak today. That is what Hebrews tells us also. And in that section that we read from the letter of Peter, where he also points to the purposed end of history, we hear him ask, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives, difficult though that may be as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, and that they will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in heat, but in keeping with his promise, 
We are looking forward to a new heaven and the new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, says the Apostle Peter, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort, take stock, take heart, take action, to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So also in the New Testament, if you trust the promise and act in faith, you will have peace. Amen.